0: Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome
2: network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Oh baby. Oh baby. Happy President's Day Metroplex. Why isn't Sean here to bring us (laughs) in? Why isn't Sean here to bring us in, Chop? Uh Sean is celebrating our presidents today. Ah, on this President's Day. Top five
0: presidents right now, go.
2: He would do that. He would uh, observe the presidents. That would be how Dude, do uh, I personally would uh, go Chris Del Conte. That's number one. And, uh, I do believe. Uh, I think he's <laughs> an athletic director. I'm just throwing out names, dude. That's what I do. Is he still at Texas? Uh, I don't even know. Yes, he is. i uh, Longhorn fan you are. Yeah, I know. Hey, how about you, Mr. Texas Tech Red Raider? Guns down. Uh, No, no. Uh, The Cowboys have three new defensive coaches, RJ Chabi, and we've finally done it. If you can't beat him, join him. We went and stole from the San Francisco tree. Oh, man. Kyle Shanahan? Well, I mean, it's the defensive side. And he was only there for two years. He was quickly fired into Kyle Shanahan's time there. But he coached in San Francisco still. So he was somebody who was fired by Shanahan. Well, look, I mean. That's how desperate we are to get somebody in here for the Shanahan tree. Probably not. Probably not. I don't (laughs) think he was fired by Shanahan. Probably fired by Robert Sala is what it was, I would guess. Oh. since he's was an defensive coordinator. But let's go through these coaches really quickly, uh, R.J. Choppy. The first one that we've hired, defensive line coach Jeff Scania. If you are going to Google that, good luck because it is not the way that it is phonetically pronounced. Scania, Z-G-O-N-I-N-A. If that name sounds sort of familiar when you see it spelled out like that or you hear it spelled out like that, uh, that would be the former defensive tackle who spent 17 years in the NFL. He was on the Rams' uh, greatest show on turf team. Kind of a, a lunch pail guy. Mm-hmm. He was the, uh, you know, you know the defensive, the, the interior, the one technique type of defensive lineman that came in on rotation, would play like 15 snaps, wasn't in there a ton, but had a very long career, a seventh round pick out of Purdue who played from 1993 to 2009. So extensive experience. He's been a coach in the NFL for the last decade, stops in Houston, New York, San Francisco, and the last four years, he was with the Washington football team. He was the assistant defensive line coach in 20 and 21. Then the last two years, he was the full-time defensive line coach. And shop, this yeah. right here is why the interview process matters. Oh, I'd love to hear this. Because, and, and look, it may go poorly, but this is why. I, I would bet a sizable sum of money if I was allowed to bet per NFL policy, NFL network policy. I would bet a sizable amount of money that when you look through Jeff Skinny's his history, he has no connection to Mike Zimmer or anybody else on this staff. You know who he does have a connection to? Uh, Bob Hope. Ron Rivera. Okay. The Cowboys typically, whenever they're interviewing any head coach, they go, well, uh, you know, give us some of the names you might have in mind. Like, like who are some assistants you would bring in here? So I believe that Ron Rivera probably mentioned the name. Jeff Scania would be my defensive line coach. Probably sold him on the name in his quick little pitch. You to spell. You think he you had to spell the last name for him so I they could look he, him up? I think he probably did, yeah. But either way, I think that you look at the connection of they brought Ron Rivera in. They typically ask these guys, what assistant coaches would you hire? The fact that one of the big advocates for him, a guy that had him there on his staff, was Jack Del Rio. Cowboys still have a relationship with Jack Del Rio, specifically Stephen Jones. I think that that's where you're getting the connection. This is not so much a Mike Zimmer hire. This is, I mean, I'm sure it is, but I think that a lot of this was an yeah. idea that they probably got from, hey, here's a name that we should consider, and Zimmer probably gave it the thumbs up.
1: So real quick, I, I, I looked at this guy's photo. You know who he looks like? Who he looked like? He looks like the dude from Family Guy that's voiced by Patrick Warburton.
2: Oh, Joe. Joe. Yeah. Photo of of uh, Skinny. Peter. Yeah, absolutely. We got we got to tell them that when we get I to mean, that's oh, it. that's dead on. We we got to tell them that. Yeah. We're, I'll get a, a comparison shot for when we bring this up later in the show, and then Ryan will have to throw it up there because I think that's a good call there. Uh, assisting old Jeff Skinny on the defensive line as their assistant defensive line coach, Greg Ellis, a man you covered. Oh, I did cover a man Greg. you used to see. Absolutely, former top ten pick, and so this is interesting. I knew that him Greg- and Ebenezer Ekubon. Well, at uh, at Carolina, one of them was considerably better than the other. Greg Ellis was was considerably better than Ebenezer Ekubom. But Greg Ellis had gotten into coaching in the last couple of years. And I knew that that was something that he had a real passion for, something that he wanted to do. So I remember thinking it was interesting back in November when he had resigned as the head coach of Southwestern Assemblies of God. He had been the coach there the last two years, head coach, and he just kind of abruptly resigned in November. And I thought, oh, that's a lot. I thought he wanted to do this. I guess he's. Did he, you get a notification on you on that? On that no, one? no, no, no. I, I had looked him up um, for something. I was I was trying to research something, and it was like two weeks after he'd resigned, and I saw it when I was looking his name up. Um, but I was I remember taking away and going, oh, okay, he, he's a he's a renaissance man. He's like had he's, he's opened restaurants. Right. He's he's uh, funded plays. Carter High, the movie Carter High. He was a producer for that. So he's got his hands in a lot of things, and I just figured, oh, okay, he must be doing something else. I think he probably got an idea from Zimmer. Zimmer was getting back, and he knew he'd have a spot on the staff because he did Cowboys crosstalk at the end of December, did that with uh, Chris Arnold and uh, Nate Newton for DallasCowboys.com, aired right here on 105 Through the Fan. And he had mentioned, he said, well, you know, I, I know Mike Zimmer, coach I have a lot of respect for, I know he's looking to get back in the NFL this year. And when I heard that interview, that's what I was like, I need to call some people because this was before the Cowboys were even out of it. Called around, asked some folks, and I was like, hey, if Quinn were to go, would Zimmer be a name? And they were like, yeah. Like Zimmer, mm. Zimmer's looking to get back in and Zimmer, we're going to call. And so this is a, a, an obvious connection here. This is a big Mike Zimmer guy, somebody who, when we talk chop about the idea of, is Mike Zimmer going to be too gruff for these players? Is he going to be too hard on them? Is it going to be two over the top, it, it, does it? Does this era need more hand-holding and arm over the shoulder, that kind of a thing? Yeah. Greg Ellis can be that advocate on the coaching staff now, in my opinion, where if you've got a guy who's feeling a little beat up, a little run down, does Micah Parsons feel like, man, he is riding me? Greg Ellis, as a player, can say, hey, dude, I've been there before. I, I've had him as my coach. Right. I've gone through this. I've seen the other side. This is, this is the way he does it. It's tough love, but the guy loves you. He's here for it. it this is usually important to... NFL coaches when they start building a staff if they can if they've had previous stops they like finding player advocates to communicate the message
1: it's the Herb Brooks I'm your I'm your coach you want a friend to go to the assistant exactly that's what it is I, I don't know how Like I have no idea how well that works anymore because like the players I think will be like they like well if he's if he really loves me he wouldn't he wouldn't talk like that to me or yell at me like that. See, that's what Kristen always says to me are you a yeller? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I Do you think Bobby's a yeller at home? Yeah, I think he is. No way. I think he might He'd be. He probably throws stuff, too. He
2: seems like an Ooh, anger management guy. I have thrown stuff before. Not just like when I get upset That's at somebody. No, like uh, if one of the kids fell and like hit their head on a... a like a table, like we had one of the younger ones like slipped and like hit her head on a coffee table one time and I picked her up and she was crying and then when Kristen came and grabbed her, I was so upset at the little side table thing I just picked it up and I threw it. So generally I take (laughs) out my aggression when they hurt my kids. I take out my aggression on inanimate inanimate (laughs) objects.
1: She fell, and hit her head. so I threw the remote across the room. I'm so angry. No, no,
2: I, I like I just broke
1: the table. No, Bobby's
2: <laughs> definitely a take my hat off and throw it kind of guy. I've done that in the studio before. <laughs>
1: yeah, he has. He does it all the time. Sean throws his pen.
2: Yes, uh, no. But- Sean doesn't just throw his pen. Sean will do this, especially when somebody's ge- he when Sean has given a final question and the answer is going too long. Sean will go.
1: He'll throw up in the air of the ceiling. I'm like, you know, we're on a fan cam here. Yeah. Um, but he always uses crap pens. He doesn't use the good pens. If he used the good pens
2: like me, he would never throw them. You've got to use the pilots. But that's why he he uses Staples pens. By the way, I don't care for their new logo. That's why he has the crap pen, though, is because he wants to be able to throw it. But Greg Ellis, advocate here, Mike McCarthy, he brought in Scott Tolzien. When he first got here as, right, a, he did. as an offensive assistant. And that was a guy that had played for McCarthy before coaches like doing this. If they are, if they're coming from another system, it's like, Hey, let me find somebody who wants to get in coaching, have an internship role, do something else. But Greg Ellis wants to be involved. He's somebody who is a success story of Mike Zimmer's. And I think is, is a good pick. The final coaching hire is one that makes a lot of sense, but I'm going to have to ask you chop. If you've got any problem with it. Paul Gunther is hired as the run game coordinator for the Cowboys. All right and Paul Gunther had been a brief senior defensive assistant for Mike Zimmer his final year in Minnesota but before that he had been the Raiders defensive coordinator for for a few years he was the Raiders defensive or he was the Bengals defensive coordinator when Mike Zimmer left so when Mike Zimmer got the head coaching job in Minnesota Paul Gunther was elevated to the defensive coordinator spot in Cincinnati so Zimmer had coached with Gunther in Cincinnati for like 6 years mm-hmm. that's why when he was out of a job after the Raiders He was brought on as an assistant, a senior defensive assistant, in 2021. So, makes sense. There's a connection there. This is an experienced guy. This is somebody who's got experience coaching at the NFL level at all three levels. So, he's coached defensive line, linebackers, and secondary. He's got varied experience, a lot of expertise with the run game. So, it makes sense to bring him in as a run game coordinator. Here's what I'm curious about from you, Chop. When we talk about being out of the game for a while or anything else.
1: Right. Big on that.
2: He has not... When you think about run game coordinator, he has not been a coordinator in the the last time he was a coordinator. There were restrictions on how many people you could have in NFL stadiums, and he coached. Is that
1: that a COVID thing? He was
2: COVID. It was a COVID year. That was the very last year that he coached, uh, where he was coordinating a defense Mm. in any form. And in twenty one, he was a, a senior defensive assistant. He was coaching, but you're still talking about a guy that's been removed for three years from the NFL period and four years from coordinating anything on defense. Are you concerned at all about? what he may have lost, what he may have been able to keep up with over four years.
1: I mean, yeah, of course there's a concern. I mean, like, uh, now, granted, there are ways to keep up with the game and stay in the game. Um, you know, Campo told us last week that he gets that all-22 film, the mm-hmm. NFL game pass, whatever, and he watches it. You, there's ways to stay into it. Um, you know, maybe you fall, maybe you take a liking to the college game more than the pro game. Who knows? Um, yeah, there's ways to stay into it. I prefer somebody who's been in it. Now the advantage to being out of it is that you could reassess things. Mike McCarthy did that. He reassessed. You could take to what you you could, you know, use of that what you believe in terms of how much he changed, right? How much he changed mm-hmm. everything from that. But no, I mean, I, I think that you could absolutely um stay in the game. I just think it's a little more difficult.
2: You know how long it's been since Paul Gunther ran any anything on defense chop? Uh, eight years. He was no, it was four, but he was fired by John Gruden. Oh, John Gruden fired him, and then John Gruden went on and had like another year of employment at the Raiders. That's how long, that's ago how long we're talking ago about. That that's a that's a, a while ago. But look, Paul Gunther, I I look, I just say it as something that hey, it's something to acknowledge, something to keep note of that he has been away from it. What kind of adjustment period is there? Maybe there isn't one. He may be completely fine, can jump right in. Like Campo said, like you just referenced, these guys keep up with it. They, they, Campo said, he feels like he could jump right back in there with how much he's kept up with trends and study things. We know this has become a, a popular thing with like the thirty third team mm-hmm. or the Mike McCarthy method of I'm gonna just go back in the lab, in essence, and, yeah. and study and do things. Quinn did that. Dan Quinn did that for a mini version over the course of a couple months when he was between Atlanta and right. Dallas. Yeah, I mean, look, it just depends also what you want. Like
1: if you're if you're done. Then you probably won't. But if, if you still have aspirations, you have to stay in the game. You know, the one thing is like you know, you look at like um, you know, ESPN's got like Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan. Are they're in it? But are they in it? Like you could be in it from a ten thousand foot, but are you really in the weeds? Right. You know, and that's the question. You know, how
2: in the weeds was Zimmer or Gunther?
1: How how in the weeds were
2: they? Right. And, and I think for Zimmer, Zimmer was Zimmer was doing, and Gunther may have been too. Zimmer, I think we have. Evidence of him doing it. He was doing stuff, I think, for the 33rd team at times. We know that he was assisting, giving a hand uh, with, with some stuff just on, on a very cursory basis with Jackson State. Cursory. And Jackson State and Colorado with Deion Sanders and the relationship that he had there. So we know that Zimmer's done that. I assume Paul Gunther's done that, but it's at least something to, to keep an eye on. Now, what's interesting is this is the first time, I believe, maybe in in franchise history, if not, it's been a decade plus, that the Cowboys are hiring a run game coordinator on defense with that title. Like they obviously have people in the game plan who are responsible yeah. for the run strategy and everything else, but to hire somebody who is a run game coordinator is unique. And I know we've had a lot of people ask us, well, where do you, are you going to fill Joe Witt's role, the passing game coordinator on defense? Are we going to get that? Because you had Chris Richard do that. No, This team is going to sell to stop the run. No, it's Mike. Z- that's going to be where Mike Zimmer's going to have his hands. Mike Zimmer is a secondary guy. Mike Zimmer is big into coverages. So even though he's not going to have the title, Mike Zimmer, I don't believe, is going to hire a passing game coordinator because he is going to say, nope, that's where I'm going to have my hands. Hired a run game coordinator. I've got some defensive line coaches. I've got some guys to do this and this. My Where you're going to really feel my impact is going to be what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis with some of the coverage schemes and stuff. So I think passing game coordinator without the title is going to be Mike Zimmer. But that, I think... Probably fleshes out their defensive staff. Maybe they hire another assistant, like an assistant linebackers coach or some quality control guy. But in terms of the position coaches, I think we're pretty much locked in as the staff, and and this is what it is now. Size of the staff is average, league average, a little above average. Well, come on, it's a, don't don't call it average. It's a it's a it's an above average size. Okay, no, it's it's they've got so many. Quality control and assistant to the position coach guys that they've had over the years. It's still above average. It's not the 27 or 28 that it was a couple of years ago, though. That was a lot. It was. Okay. Very good. Good stuff. Uh, Robert Belt
1: on Inside the Star here on 105 Through the Fans. Sean and Argis. Sean's out. He is celebrating your presidents, all of them. Uh, all, let's we'll see. We're on uh, number 46.
2: Maybe he's only celebrating half of them. Oh, maybe.
1: I don't know. Maybe not even half. Maybe a little bit less than half. That's true. Uh, So, Sean, will be back tomorrow. Uh, Micah Parsons, though, is the best athlete on the planet, and it's not even close. It's all coming up next year on The Fan. Good morning, DFW. It is Sean and RJ here on 105 through the Fan. Sean's back tomorrow, uh, which is good. Because that means I don't have to do this part of the. Show. I just <laughs> sit back and crack jokes. And How much do you hate guy. this?
2: How much do you hate steering it?
1: Um, I actually like preparing for steering it better than actually steering you've
2: it. You've gotten, you've, you've. I think you do a really good job. I at appreciate it. That. you. Like, and you're much more comfortable with it now, I think, than you were a year ago. Well, yes, yeah, I didn't do it for years. Right. So I remember the, the first years. day you did it, you were a you were a, a mess. Like a yeah. sweaty mess, like prepping. You were in here like an hour early, like yeah. writing everything out. I think you found a, a comfort level. Found a with little it. comfort level. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: I, I enjoy like the the off air side of it more than the on air, I think. Like getting ready for the show. Mm-hmm. I and I find it to be uh uh easier for me. But this is uh we're getting there. It's a work in progress. You're doing a great job. Thank John. you. Thank you. Uh, speaking of great job.
2: Uh, Micah Parsons, dude. Oh, ho. Oh, oh! It's nice to see a Cowboy dominate in February, dude. Best athlete on the planet.
1: Change my mind. Change my mind on that one.
2: Um, I mean, CJ Stroud's pretty impressive. CJ Stroud's a top tier quarterback. He like won the home run derby for the Ast- at the Astros Stadium last week. He I was mean, at- anybody get a home run? In he Houston. was top tier recruit. I mean that Stroud's up there, I think. Top two recruit for what? Um, basketball. Oh really? Yeah. Jaime okay. Jaquez, who was in the dunk contest, plays for Miami. He put he dropped forty on Jaime Jaquez in uh, in high school.
1: Well, maybe that's why he only went to UCLA. Yeah, maybe he made why. a better place. Yeah, yeah. that's probably it. But well, look,
2: it was, he, he was great. He was. Mike oh, was fantastic. And Micah, the, his highlight real play of, of the celebrity game was his spin move layup. He was hitting us with the uh, the Euro steps. In fact, I think Peyton's got the uh, the Micah spin move on Stroud. Oh, wow.
1: Parsons is trying to close the deal here. Oh wow Look at Parsons spinning around Stroud and maybe okay.
2: look at this Oh, it would have been nice to come back with that. I know, it would have been great. They they were talking so much trash to each other leading up to it, Stroud and Parsons, because they're they're from the. They have the same agency. They're buddies. They're yeah. close, and so he did the podcast with them. They were just talking trash about like, oh, I, I I did this in high school as a basketball player. I did this, yada yada yada. And Micah, man, thirty seven points, sixteen rebounds, monster. The celebrity game MVP, making Shannon Sharp, just giddy over there, yeah. sticking it to Stephen A. Smith. It was a great performance. That it is was. that,
1: uh, the, dude. The court was amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the court. I like Adam Silver. I li- I think I like the courts more than Adam Silver does.
2: Dude, that's not possible. Those were
1: amazing. That that court they had for the Celebrity Game with the uh, very Vegas-like uh, three-point line that's moving, where it's got like the arrows on it that are constantly moving. I thought it was very cool, very well done. I didn't think it took away from the game. I think it enhanced the game.
2: Uh, and then Micah's performance was just tremendous. I'll tell you what, though. I didn't care for Micah's game-time swag. I did not, yeah. I did not like the, I did not like the long sleeve undershirt. I you know, I have a problem with that. Too. I don't I don't get it. And man, I don't get it. Ugh. I know he's a professional athlete. But but unless you are a professional basketball player, I just even if you're really good at basketball, I tend to roll my eyes at sweatband guy. Like Like take, the headband? Yeah, take it off. You're playing in a celebrity game. This isn't, you know, you're not Mike Bibby. Take it off. You're not Jason Terry. You're Micah Parsons just go out there and play. You don't you don't need the long sleeve undershirt. You don't need the sweatband. Come on, doesn't that doesn't that just feel like a bit much when you see the photo of him? Oh, it's definitely. I'm I'm here to play try-hard guy. Like all he needs now with the goggles, the
1: Kurt Rambis goggles. <laughs> yeah, like, that would have been Rip thing, Hamilton but, yeah, mask. That's, <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? Yeah, do you need a mask like it? No, I don't. I just want to wear it. He's
2: he's a, look. He is an absolute badass. I I honestly, Micah Parsons is at this point for me chop where I feel like. If he wants to commit to it, like if he wants to put his focus on it and put his work ethic on it and everything else, he's going to be successful. I don't care what it is. Like he's just one of those guys. I mean, that's why he's always like talking about how he wants to. He's been fighting Bones Fossil for three years now. He wants him to let him return a kick. He's like, let me get back there and and run back kicks. I can do it. I can I can run him back, and I don't doubt that he could. He during his introductory press conference, he talked about they were talking to about what a competitor he is. And he's like, I love winning more than anything else. Like, I want to win so bad. He's like, and I don't care what it is. Like, if, if we're playing chess, I'm going to do everything I can to just make you miserable and beat you. And that's the mentality that he has that has made him as good as he is, I think. And I think he can even achieve greater levels. So just you got to have that, that locked in version. Uh, you do,
1: uh, but you have it. This guy seems to be locked in on anything he's interested in. Yeah. And that's the key. If he's interested in it, then he's gonna be uh massively all in. Like that Jerry, you wanna know what all in means? <laughs> Micah Parsons. Like that's all in. Like that and and you know what's gonna happen is that oh, you know, if he wasn't doing this podcast, he would have been much more all in the regular season, the postseason. Uh, you know, Micah finally comes through in February.
2: It's true. It's a good point. You don't have anything to say back to that, do you, Chop? I don't <laughs> I don't. But it was an entertaining game, nonetheless. I, I've always enjoyed the celebrity game, especially when you get, uh, I remember T.O. playing in that years ago.
1: Yeah, so you get these these NFL players who are obviously great athletes anyway, and then they, a lot of them. I mean, basketball is the one sport that just about everybody plays. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to play basketball. You just go out there, grab a ball, shoot by yourself, right? Universal. Baseball, you, you you need help. You need other people with you. Football, you need other people with you to practice. Basketball, you just do it by yourself. Like, so even if you were completely by yourself and alone, yeah, you know, everybody played basketball. Everybody. Now and, was, and then that where that shows. It shows. And then you then you get the celebrities out there in, in years past. Like, you know, Bieber had some handles. You've oh, seen yeah. celebrities that have had, you know, you know, a good little game.
2: Uh this so, one was about Micah though. Who's the who's the one that's uh, notorious uh for apparently being a total baller? Is it Tim Kirchen? Kirchin, yeah. I just I still refuse to believe that. Now one of my favorite things was Did you see the Puka Nakua dunk in this game? I saw a video of it, yeah. It's just, it's a standard, like, you'll look, he goes up. It's a one-handed finish. It says, Puka Nakua, this is Rich Ornberger, a former NFL offensive lineman. He says, Puka Nakua might be the most underrated athlete on the planet right now. And he got roasted for tweeting that based off of just a simple one-handed right-hand dunk, including by Wanye Thomas of the Dallas Cowboys, who quote tweeted and said, Boy, 95% of the NFL can do this. Respect to that boy, Puka, though. Yeah. <laughs> you always got to throw in the respect at the yeah. end of it so that, yeah. that people don't think. But, man, he got roasted. It was just a bunch of people like going, like, I can do this. It was a fine dunk. It was wonderful.
1: Wow, cool. I wish I could do it. Yeah. Uh, but just about everybody in the league could do something like that. Yeah. That's, you could that's, do that's it. basically.
2: I just think the, the smoking affected the the cardio and the explosion. I think it was a fat. Yeah. I mean, my no, own body think,
1: that would have that would have uh, affected the uh, the no. ability to jump up that high. You it, got
2: you got the diamond calves.
1: Two hundred forty pounds doesn't doesn't move very well. Um, all right now, what about Saturday?
2: So, well, first off, also uh, it was a disappointing finish to the uh, Rising Stars Challenge. Derek Lively didn't take home MVP, but he did play really well. Twelve points, perfect shooting, six for six. Really, really good in his performance. So he had a a really positive weekend, some positive attention there. We got the three point shooting contest. Damian Lillard wins it for the second year in a row. He scores twenty six in the first round, twenty-six in the final round. He won last year with twenty six and twenty six. Yeah. That dude has just shot twenty six on four straight three point shooting contests. You don't
1: usually win that thing back to back years.
2: They had four guys hit twenty six in the first round.
1: They did. It was it was it was look, I thought it was pretty good. We we started watching this and it was on the skills challenge. Yep, and it was it was the the Trey Young. Uh, let's see, it was Barnes Young. I forget who their third guy was. Um, Barnes
2: and, Young and Tyrese Maxey.
1: Maxey, yeah, and then you had the number one picks. Yep, you had Wemby and and Edwards. Paolo Boncaro. Yep, yeah, and then you had the Pacer guys, right? Yep. And the Pacers. Um, they had uh, uh, Mithurin. They had uh, Halliburton, Halliburton. Miles Turner and I was like, all right, I'm gonna well, let's see. I mean, this is this is gonna last this long. We could probably come back and flip it back to the three point contest before it's all said and done. And I go to change the channel, and you thought I would have changed it off of like the Oscars as they're about to announce best picture.
2: Sarah freaked out.
1: Sarah she's like, "What are you doing? Why really?" What yeah, and I was like, "What?" what? And she's like. That this is fun this is cool I was like oh okay all right I'll I'll, I'll keep it on
2: I don't think I've ever asked you this and, and I don't know to what extent how big of a sports fan is Sarah um I mean she, is, she, is she like a social sports fan or does she have like a sport she really follows that she's into she's not like she shouldn't follow like like oh my god I gotta keep up with everything she you know she'll see
1: the score she gets the notifications on her phone um she you listens know, to blow the belt she does yep. uh we'll watch we'll watch like you know Ranger games at night but she's not like we're not like diehard into it. During the playoffs she was. But
2: she's like following it. She's not just yeah. like she's not, I'm watching Super Bowl for the commercials, gal.
1: No, 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 no. She'll watch now, like at the Super Bowl parties, you know, she'll be talking at times as the game gets closer to the end. But she would she'll consider herself a sports, fan. She's a sports fan. So that's yeah. good.
2: that's good. She was uh, she was correcting you. Well, you're getting corrected all over your house lately. Luca telling you stop taking the Lord's name in vain. I know. Sarah telling you stop changing the channel. Don't change, don't don't turn
1: it off of the skills challenge. I was like, Well, you wanna see Trey Young dribble around uh uh, you know, some little light fixture that was yeah. out there. You want
2: to see it like just dribbling around like one of those wacky waving inflatable yeah. arm flailing. Tube I'm like, men. okay, that's I'll watch. I got, there's nothing else on Saturday night. There's nothing on. Well, there was something on after. You got the dunk contest chop, and yeah. this was funny because we talked about this on Friday, and I remember I, I ran through the list for you: Mac McClung, Jalen Brown, Jacob Toppin, Jaime Jaquez. And he went, oh, nice. They threw uh, at least one name in there. They threw Jalen Brown in there. Although Mac McClung, did. now he's, Mac McClung's kind of well-known at this point. Jacob Toppin is Obi's brother. And Jaime Hawkes, he was a first-round pick. He's been pretty good for the Heat. But it also is, like, clear, like, Jalen Brown is the only star name there. Right. And, man, it was obvious yeah. with the way the judges were scoring this. Yeah, they, they wanted Jalen Brown in there. This dude, Jalen Brown, in his first, on his first dunk, just does a windmill. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to totally, like, downplay that. I wish I could do a windmill. I can't. But he does a windmill. He jumps up. He just kind of brings his arms over and dunks it. Like, that was it. And I remember thinking, like, that's going to get fives across the board. And not, like, the the ice skating fives. Like, this is 5 out of 10. And they give him 48-8 out of 50. Yeah. For a windmill. Now, it was a Dominique Wilkins dunk. It was like he did it like yeah. the same way he did. So I guess they're, a they're crediting the tribute angle of it. But, man, he scores higher than Mack McClung, who does this cool like double-clutch, toss-the-ball-in-the-air thing. Jaime Jaquez and Jacob Toppin, I thought their dunks were okay in the first round. But by far the worst one, I thought, was Jalen Brown, and yet he gets the highest score. And then in the, the second dunk in the first round, he jumps over a, a short guy sitting in a chair, misses it the first time, and that was enough to score him again. Nice score. Second highest of the round. He's on to the finals where justice is finally served. Mac McClung wins. But I'm... It's a a sad state where the guy who wins it's a G-leaguer. But he's so good. He is a good dunker. And he's a Texas Tech Red Raider. He is. He is. Here's what... You know how we talk about there needs to be something to salvage the All-Star game or something else? We had that conversation a few years ago about the dunk contest before it was... um, Aaron Gordon and gosh, who was he? Who was it? Was it Zach Levine? Yeah, right? Zach Levine, Zach Levine, and Aaron Gordon, where they had kind of rejuvenated it and we're taking it to a new level. And we're like, oh my gosh, how come we haven't seen stuff like this in forever? I'm back to a point where it's like we need something like that again because I'm tired of the dunk contest just being uh, how many people can you jump over? How tall is but the guy is. that you're jumping? Yeah, to? It's just it become is. jumping over dudes, right? So especially
1: when like Vince Carter did that in an actual game, right? Um, so some you know Twitter folk. Slam dunk contest officially dead. 217 24. Dunk contest couldn't be more dead. Uh, dunk contest have been bad before. It's whatever. This is the worst contest we've ever seen. And I don't just mean from a ju- uh, dunk perspective. Between Jalen advancing for whatever reason, judges scoring uh, like they're on something, TNT not showing a dunk, awkward interviews. And that's
2: it. They missed a dunk. My, They missed a dunk. My my favorite of this was because Mac McClung was not scoring as high as Jalen Brown early in the stunt contest. <laughs> Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl tweeted: If Mac McClung played defensive back, these All Star judges would be projecting him from corner to safety. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> They're pigeonholing They're him. Pigeonholing him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what they were doing in the dunk contest. Yeah, They're like, they God, were... no, that
2: guy can't play corner. <laughs> no, he cannot. Absolutely not.
1: So I, I look. I I thought I thought the NBA All Star Week was fine.
2: The skill the Friday and Saturday night were solid.
1: Yeah, I thought Saturday was, you know, the dunk contest notwithstanding. I thought it was kind of mid. But, like, I thought the rest of the night was pretty fun. I enjoyed sure. three-point. I enjoyed the skills. Uh, and then Mike could put on a show. And that, that's as simple as that, he put on a show. He's the best athlete in sports right now. So there's a little dunk contest, NBA All-Star Weekend uh, recap. Bad news for the Rangers already. And Bobby Belt's got a little history lesson for us coming up next on 105.3. the fam-
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
2: Good morning,
1: DFW. It is Sean and RJ here on 105 to the Fan. Sean's back tomorrow. He's celebrating President's Day. Bobby's going to tell you all about that here coming up in a few minutes. Well, tough. do we call, do we call it President's Day? Well, we'll Maybe out. we don't. Tough weekend uh, for the Rangers. Uh, they have not really started their games yet out in Surprise. We will be out there. Uh, start, starting next week?
2: Yes. So Sunday, uh, Gbag, KNC, they fly out. They will be out there in Surprise, Arizona, representing Jared Sandler is going to be out there. Uh, and you know why we're going to be out there, RJ Choppy? Because uh, we are the home oh, of the World Series champion. Breaking news. Texas Rangers. Look at that. You weren't dreaming, as Eric Nadel said. not dreaming. You weren't dreaming uh, when they won the World Series, and you weren't dreaming when you heard it right here on 105. No. We are the home. You absolutely heard that. Uh, Josh Young expected to miss about three weeks uh, with a calf
1: strain. And The biggest concern with these calf strains or any kind of muscle pull uh, is generally that players try to rush back, and then it lingers throughout the rest of the year. That's the big concern with these things. They just linger and linger and linger and linger. It would not surprise me if Josh Young hit the injured list at some point with a calf issue throughout the rest of the season, just because that's the nature of sports, man. Like you, 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 you have a little bit of a pull and, or a strain, and then it, you re-aggravate it somehow. It happens. Stinks. That's what happens. only then it really heals these things is rest.
2: I mean, we're, we're still a ways off. We're, so what, long. Six, we're six weeks out, five, six weeks out from the first game. Uh, you know, there's plenty of time for, for this yeah. to get corrected. Josh Young, it's not like it has been in years past where it's like, Oh, we're trying to break him in. He needs right. this rhythm. He needs this time. he just had a, a, an extensive run into the playoffs. He he he's going to be fine. I don't I don't think right. there's anything no that he, he, he nope. needs. Nope.
1: The the, uh, the issue the that the issue. Like the good thing about like today's sports world is that these guys practice or train year round. Mm-hmm. So he may not need. Like, this was 1947, and uh, he's driving a Pepsi truck in the off season. Uh, he may need more time to you get ready for the season, I mean, he'll be fine. Like He'll he'll need a week's worth of at-bats at the end. Yeah. And he'll be ready to go for, or, for opening day.
2: Or young player you're trying to work in. Yeah. Like, do you want Justin Foscue? Do you want Wyatt Langford? Do you want the, even Evan Carter? Would you want him missing three weeks? Maybe not. No. Because those guys are trying to get them established. You're trying to figure I, – i I'm sure Laodie Tavares is one. They wouldn't want missing three weeks. Josh Young, it's a little bit of a different story, but it does suck. It's just another thing that's cropped up. It had been this pitching issue consistently for the Rangers of guys getting hurt and guys that you knew were going to be out. And then just to get the news in the last couple of weeks that it's like, well, you know, Corey Seager's going to miss all of the spring training. And, you know, we, the, the goal is yeah. we think he'll be ready for opening day, but, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, And then it's, you know, well, Josh Young, he, he's going to be a little yep. bit limited here. It's just it's another thing. It's just another, it's another thing.
1: thing. It's no, There's no doubt it happens. Um, but... It, the good news is that, you know, you win a World Series, you've got a little bit of uh you got a honeymoon period. You got some time. Uh, and they're a good enough team to where they hopefully should be an, a playoff team no matter what. Uh that last year wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fluke. It was that was the real deal. They're they're a real good fo- uh, uh uh baseball team. But, you know, again, you don't want to see injuries. You don't want to see injuries, you're starting rotation, and you don't want to see multiple injuries either on uh to your infield. Like that's that's not something you
2: want. You had, uh, you know, you just referenced it there. We say you just won the World Series. You're going to be given a little bit of time, and yeah, hopefully. And no, no, and I, I don't disagree. I, I, I would hope so too. I would hope they'd be given a little bit of, you know, grace if they, if they start out, you know, slow. I would hope people would have some patience with it. But I'm trying to think back, and maybe it's different. It's different fan bases. It's different expectations, whatever else. But like, for instance, the Mavericks when they won, and they came back the next year there was not I, – I don't remember there being much grace when they struggled and they had the Lamar Odom issues and everything else. Do you think that's just a different fan base potentially? Or do you think, hey, we might see that this fan base would get pretty antsy pretty fast?
1: I've always felt like the Rangers fan base has been um, more positive. A little more optimistic? Yeah, I think so. I think you have to be. As a baseball fan, you have to be optimistic because like, it's such a long season. It's yeah. a nightmare season, man. It's like, you know, basketball season, yeah – it's the same length in terms of days, but, you know, it's every other night. It's not every night, every couple of nights. Well, like you to think, be a baseball fan, dude, you've got to be, like, legitimately – You oh, you could just get over a loss real easy.
2: Do you think coming off of the lockout impacted any of that? I either? think so. Because there was I, already just negative sentiment built yep, up against the NBA. Yeah,
1: and then they didn't bring anybody back. Like, yeah. they had – you know, the, the, the roster was, uh, you know, not completely different, but a little bit different.
2: That was frustrating because – also, I think – because Texas kind of came out of nowhere here. Yeah. They got here a year early. Dallas, that was the culmination of 12 years of like finally and they wanted to see another one. Yeah, and it was like oh great, finally there it is. All right, let's see another one, and it's like you realize pretty quickly oh no, this is this team's done. Like they're like they're gonna do what they can to kind of remain yeah this house money for playoff spots, but they're done. Yeah, like and that was the the realization that you had. One more uh, interesting note out of Rangers training camp uh, or spring training, uh, choppy. Yeah, Jack you don't call Leiter. it training camp. Get I know it, that's it, get, get, why I just get it You I rack. know, Jack Lighter. He, he had a few goals that he wanted to accomplish this offseason. You know, obviously we had the, uh, I don't remember the exact designation they gave him where he was off of the active roster for mm-hmm. a while while they worked on mechanics. And like, hey, let's uh, let's check on your mentals, buddy. Let, let's make sure that your head's in the game and everything else. Uh, he did accomplish one major thing off the field, Chop. He finished his degree at Vanderbilt. And it's in a perfect field, I think, for for what we would hope would help turn things around. He got his degree in human and organizational development from Vanderbilt. So we got basically a, uh, this is apparently, I'm reading over the the Vanderbilt description of this, uh, prepare yourself for a successful career focused on finding solutions to human problems in organizations and communities. So if anybody is going to fix their standing within, yeah. within the organization and fix between the ears. Jack Leiter and his degree from a very nice school in Vanderbilt. Sean's godson going there. I have no idea what that degree means at all. Human and organizational development. He just told you, or they, they Vanderbilt told you. It's human development like,
1: isn't human. Human development to me sounds like something that would happen in the womb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> something that uh, are, are we saying that like Jack Leiter's a zygote right now? Is that what it is? And and he's developing into. Uh, Everything else. I knew what a
1: zygote was. I would agree with you on that
2: It's like uh, the nine months. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, it's been more than nine months that we've been trying to fix this stuff with Jack Lyder. So hopefully that gets corrected. But congratulations. He gets uh, his degree from Vanderbilt. Good stuff. Says he's really focused on right now. He wants to make sure his goal is he's pitching every fifth day. Nice.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice. With with strikes thrown in there. Yeah. That'd that'd be good. Uh, It is President's Day. Uh, It is the third Monday in February, as I'm told. Um, But what does that actually mean? Bobby Bell went through a deep dive on just what President's Day really is. Why are we are off today? Why
2: is everybody off except well, for us? Yeah, we're not off. Uh, yeah, this day, uh, according to Wikipedia, chop. It's a, this day is an official state holiday in most states, uh, with names including Washington's birthday, President's Day, uh, Lincoln's birthday. Different states use different definitions for it. Or so it's not President's Day. Well, it's so uh, President's Day is. Initially, it was George Washington's birthday, and it's kind of become an all-encompassing President's Day celebration at this point.
1: So do we just celebrate, are we celebrating George Washington or all 46 presidents?
2: So it turns out the definition kind of depends on how you view it and what state you're in. And I think that's where the question of the apostrophe comes into play, Chop. Because when I think of President's Day, in fact, I think of the run sheet, how I'd spelled it out uh, when we were sending our emails, I put it as just president's. No apostrophe in there. Like it is the day for all presidents. All the presidents. And it's not their day like they own it. It's just the day to recognize presidents. So I would put no apostrophe in there. Did you know that President's Day is referred to differently, is referred to as 14 different names and punctuations and spellings across the country? Here in Texas, we use the the apostrophe after the S. So they own
1: it. So they own the day.
2: Yeah, the presidents own the day. Okay. Alaska, Idaho, Maryland, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Tennessee, West Virginia, and Wyoming, they put the apostrophe before the S. So they're saying, no, this is the president, his day. This is Washington's day.
1: Okay, so this is president is. Yes. Isn't that what the apostrophe S to be? President is. Well, it's owned
2: by the single president. It's not owned by all the presidents, Uh. just him. President's day with no apostrophe, mine that I had. Ugh. I might be uh, a little bit of a Pacific Northwest guy. Sean, oh, man. Because Oregon and Nevada. No,
1: that's, uh, Nevada's okay. You can deal with that. In Oregon, you don't be associated with that. That's crunchy.
2: Maine calls it Washington's birthday slash President's Day with the apostrophe before the S. Maine's just weird. Arizona calls it Lincoln slash Washington President's Day. That's uh, just weird. They don't even change their time. Virginia doesn't even put presidents in there. There's a bunch of states that don't put presidents in there. Maine or Virginia goes with George Washington Day. Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Louisiana, a bunch of other states do Washington's birthday. You have Lincoln's and Washington's birthday in Montana. Washington-Lincoln Day in Colorado and Ohio. Never heard of it. Washington and Lincoln Day in Ohio and oh Utah. Oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah. Washington-Lincoln's birthday. It's everywhere. Now, here's my Can we not just have a name? I know. What is this? Why can't states get on board with this? Everybody's got to have their own name. Everybody's got to have their own, you know, uh, their own punctuation with it, where they want to put the apostrophe. Do they want to even include president in there? My two favorites, though, here, Chop. Well, actually, my three favorites. Alabama refers to it as George Washington slash Thomas Jefferson birthday. Oh, they would never PJ. honor Abraham Lincoln there. Uh, they would definitely. <laughs> they would never <laughs> do definitely. That. They go like, "Nah, we're not putting this will nope. be uh, this will be Thomas not Jefferson." Ah, uh, but my favorites here, are Delaware does not observe it at all. Do you think that's because George Washington crossed it? They're that's a like, good question. They're like, once you cross it, they're a little weird there. there. They're just they're just worried about their LLCs. But my favorite one. Which state do you think says, no, we're not recognizing any presidents or anything about this country. We are going to literally call this holiday, which is a holiday within their state, the third Monday in February.
1: Uh, I have to say uh, Wyoming. Yeah. Some place is yeah. like a rebel.
2: California, California, very oh, bad California. place. That makes that makes perfect sense. We we don't observe any presidents. We 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 uh, we we don't do that. And so California, literally, and I clicked on it because you were like, "There's no way that's true." I clicked. I went through and looked on the California legislature where it lists out the company holidays, and they list all the days with the title of the holiday within them, except you get to this one, and it wow. says the third Monday in February.
1: Well, it's a great time to reason to have off. It's a great yes. reason to have all that time off. Happy man. the 3rd February and Monday, Happy, Chop. Happy <laughs> the 3rd February or 3rd Monday in February. Uh, we got an NFL suspension. We got NBA All-Star Weekend. Stars, the tough one against the Oilers. And then, of course, our best of the best and worst of the weekend coming up in the 7 o'clock hour right here on 105.3 The Fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,